0: Thanks for joining us on Two Age Sojourner, we're back without having three months or four months having passed in between. This is good, this is progress, and that what? even sounded like a proper intro and everything. So, like, really, what's happening? I don't know, a metamorphosis <laughs> of such. It's uh, <laughs> something, something good, something exciting. Um, but uh, it's, it's something that I've, I've been looking forward to because uh, the, the book that we're looking at right now, I actually we were meant to read a chapter at a time and you know kind of catch up a chapter but then i just read the whole thing i think you did the same thing um no, no you didn't read
1: didn't.
0: the whole thing didn't oh no i've had more than enough time usually you're <laughs> the one that's doing that yeah i'm uh i'm a good maybe 80 pages or so into it okay all right well i actually got through the whole thing you know so i <laughs> and i've read it twice my second time so i feel what? like yeah really yeah man it must have been good uh, well you know it's... <laughs> Yeah, well, we'll talk about this, you know, uh, okay. then, I mean, it's an interesting book, I, I do find it really interesting at many different levels. And so yeah, it, I hardly ever read a book twice, to be honest, you know, it's it usually read and move on, you know, there's enough out there to read. So it does say something. Um, but then partly, I just wanted to kind of cover it again, just because I knew we'd be talking about it here and wanted to flesh out some of the ideas. Um, but, you know, uh, for anyone that doesn't know what we're talking about, let me just see if I can get the cool. You don't have the hard copy on you, do you? No, I'm using Kindle. Kindle as well. All right. Well, I probably have a better picture to show people. Kindle um, and Audible. Okay. There we go. There's my Kindle copy on the yeah. nice iPad. Although I don't know if the words even look right there. But uh, Jesus, the great philosopher, rediscovering the wisdom needed for the good life uh, by Jonathan T. Pennington, um, who is at Southern, right? it's right is, yeah. yeah so he's one of the uh, professors there and um and yeah just like you know i'm always on the lookout for these kinds of books uh, there was that one by uh, douglas grutes um who wrote uh, what was it called just uh, the philosophy of jesus or something he wrote the philosophy of pascal i might be getting the exact title wrong but a google search will remedy that um but as I think he does point out that there have been a few written like this, but they're usually very academic and very, yeah, very weighty, imagine. and they just dive right in there and almost inaccessible. I know Peter Criff, for example, has written something a little bit more accessible, you know, as he as he thinks about the philosophy of G- like Jesus and Socrates, you know, <laughs> an imaginary conversation between them. So again, that's a a, a little bit more accessible. Um, but one, the, one of the things I really liked about this book is that it just, it, it's almost like a uh it almost like is you know like a you know i have in mind like wayne grudem's very thin basic uh intro to basic doctrine except it's yep. like intro to philosophy and he covers like all the ground i mean he really covers a breathtaking amount here and and, and just it's super accessible
1: all. super easy to get into super
0: easy to, uh, to read
1: non-technical yeah. Yeah.
0: And, you know, yet it doesn't sacrifice depth. I mean, he's really he's got he's got some weighty thoughts in there. He's uh, thinking through it. You know, he's he's taking some stands on, you know, he's not so, um, you know, all over the place that you can't figure out if there's any coherent system to what he's saying. Uh, you know, I think it's quite lucid. He comes down strong on a few points. So, yeah, yeah. just all around, you know, it's just a great book. You know, it's just there are not many of many books like this. He does mention the the Jewish uh uh think uh um uh, was named Yozoni or Mizoni yeah
1: yeah
0: something like that I can't remember now I haven't (laughs) just listened to
1: him recently on London I see it
0: oh no way it's cool yeah wow I must check that out that that's excellent um well I mean (laughs) because yeah I had a bit of a google I nearly bought one of his books um you know as he thinks about the Old Testament and uh philosophy it's all relevant by the way uh for me in that uh let me do a quick plug (laughs) <laughs> uh, ne- next semester at grace theological college if you want to delve into this some more we will be looking at this uh in the course on the writings with the focus on the psalms and proverbs and that sort of thing so i'm really interested in relating how you know some of this wisdom literature um connects with with ancient near eastern surroundings and also uh greco-roman uh, uh thought and just general common grace philosophy i suppose and wisdom uh thinking yeah. so uh this is somewhat you know, preparatory, uh, preparatory for me, um, but at the same time, it's just a great topic we're always talking about. It. Now, I yeah. wanted to
1: ask you a question, maybe just before we get started. Yoram
0: Mazzoni, surely that's his name, sorry.
1: Yes, that's sounds right.
0: just running, Yoram yeah. Mazzoni. Yoram Mazzoni, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: <clears throat> so, I mean, he talks about Jesus, the great philosopher. And yeah. uh, the question that was going through my mind is... You know, you look at philosophy, I guess, as a type of genre, like we would look at Mendenhall and Klein using the Hittite suzerainty treaties yes. as, a, as a genre that the Bible sort of patterned itself on. Yeah. You know, do you think that the scriptures are deliberately patterning themselves on philosophy as it was developed by, I guess, the Greek philosophers who would be the paradigm? Right. Or is it rather a case of there are a bunch of boxes that through common grace philosophy happen to hit on yeah and the Bible ticks on those boxes plus yeah. you know, would you you know how how are you seeing it?
0: Well yeah, I mean, I suppose just before we get into how I see it, I mean I think certainly thinking about that you're a Mazzoni guy. I mean he's uh, you know he's just taking this I was I was really surprised, you know that, that he took such a forthright no, no no, no, the Bible is actually meant to be read as wisdom, yeah, as philosophy, you know, yeah. and 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 really jumping right into that one box you mentioned. And I would think of that to be too much immediately. That's my knee jerk there. Okay. Obviously yeah. that's, I'm, that's- I'm pretty much on the same page. Right, yeah. right. I imagine most of us would be. Because the genre of
1: philosophy is not this predefined box that the Bible's trying to conform itself to. Rather, yes. philosophy through common grace, through general revelation, is able to think about God's creation and some of the big questions they're, not, they're thinking wrongly about those questions, but they're thinking rightly in those directions. Mm. And the Bible happens to answer those questions plus a bunch of other questions which people aren't even asking. Yeah. Well, and, the greatest and, philosophy if we're defining it in terms of those boxes.
0: Right, right, right. So, I mean, and and at the end of the day, you know, and, and look, you know, even some of this book, we'll get into this, but but, you know, there are some statements that I found very uncomfortable. You know, it's too far, too far down the track <laughs> in, in terms of, you know, how we're to approach the Bible as philosophical literature and so forth—it almost reminds me of you know you've got your uh, you've got your uh, who was that guy that did the ESV um, literary study Bible? Philip Leland Ryken. Leland reichen yeah. And uh, you know, the, so now reading the Bible is English literature, you know. <laughs> and they all they all they all got their things, and they just kind of like yeah. is it they all bring this great insight to the table, but obviously they're so excited about it. There's a danger of of taking it too far. I think yeah, um, useful as a lens, but not as a box. I think so. I think that's, that's a yeah. great sort of thing to keep in mind for all of this stuff. Uh, and yet not, not fear to be challenged in it. Cause you know, obviously you don't want to sort of stop the process of, of growing and being wrong and whatnot. But, but I think that, yeah, you know, there are just, there's more to be said to prove a radical claim like that. Uh, it does, they've not backed it up sufficiently, I think. But now also, I don't want to be unfair to Pennington because, you know, he, I think what you were saying there is effectively also what he was saying in that, you know, Hey, these guys are all, you know, what is philosophy, right? We're, it's the love of wisdom at the, the broadest level. Um, there's just it's undeniable that the Bible pursues the same questions of philosophy, and you know it is true. I think it's just undeniably true that that this this reality gets ignored. Uh, I mean, evangelicalism certainly ignores it uh, from my from my experience, uh, where you would uh, you wouldn't. You know, as you said, I think it opens up the book with this. You know, you've got the banners, um, Jesus, uh, this, you know, uh, that, and the king, and uh, but, but the the I mean, just by virtue of the fact that you have a guy like Solomon who foreshadows Christ, you know, uh, th- there is this reality given to Christ who became our righteousness and our wisdom, you know, and 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 the one who uh, is. Is you know profoundly wise on all the elements pertaining to uh, you know those those questions of metaphysics through to you know the good life and so forth and all these things that he's bringing up as as points of like almost categorical points of, of philosophical inquiry over over the years not only in Greco-Roman thought but just in general. So so I think you know the Bible just does touch it you know and and, and th- maybe it's because a lot of people will look at and I think probably I've I've experienced some of this. Um, and have spoken to people who who have fallen into this, where, you know, Paul, doesn't Paul condemn the world's philosophy, you know? Yeah, uh, Colossians 2. Yeah. Right, and and so what are we doing, toying around with this? Are you just, you know, Paul clearly says it's all nonsense, we've got the Bible. What now. does Athens have to do with Jerusalem? Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, there we go, so you've got a guy like Tertullian versus a guy like, let's say, uh, Justin Martyr, who he quotes. Yeah. from frequently. And Luther,
1: you know, just denunciating the, the the scholastics and the philosophers and the, right right yeah. totally
0: yeah exactly so and, you know, there's a lot of that right there's a lot of that in uh in reformed thinking in the reformed uh certainly my goodness if you get down the line with um uh some of the you know anti-dualism literature and neo-calvinism and dovet and all that i mean even though they're engaging at a weighty philo- philosophical task they really are condemning anything um that's not based on a, on a, on a, Christian ground motive. Vantel and ventilianism, Vantel, exactly. Um, but even in those guys, you know, those instances that they, they're all, you know, by virtue of their conversations with philosophy, they're showing their interest in the same subjects and just wanting to yeah. approach it from a distinctly uh, Christian perspective, which I think, you know, there were times in the book where I felt like, Oh, wow, he's super transformationalist. He's like, he's actually trying to, f- he's, he's trying to reject common grace and say, no, no, we're meant to, we're meant to just, totally go with jesus the philosopher to rule uh, in place of all other philosophers and, let's go and to the so- old
1: testament for how to do politics yeah,
0: yeah right 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 so it can, you also get that feeling it, <laughs> yeah. a, a few places there where you know my two-age uh scruples was was squirming but, definitely but at the same time you bring it back you know and, and he would say things that that i felt made me think you know uh i've misunderstood him i need to yeah. i need to uh reread or he's or maybe i'm reading that to um i'm too quickly jumping to those conclusions because he would affirm very clearly mm-hmm. the you know the reality that we go plunder from the egyptians and you know there's this reality of common grace and i really liked the bit that he did on the stoics um i thought he'd nailed it to be honest i thought you know the stoics have been on my mind for a long time i've been reading through like i think i've read through most of the stoics at this point the main the main works and um and yeah, just it's for me, it's like one of the most interesting, like I, I find myself just constantly perplexed about how I feel about stoicism, because it's so close to what Christianity is saying. Exactly. And so yet yeah, it's so different. <laughs> just touching <laughs> on
1: that today, I was reading about Amor Fati. Do you know that?
0: Yeah, right. The, the
1: love of fate.
0: The love of fate, right? Yeah. Totally. So basically,
1: the love of fate is the whole concept Stoic used to basically say, you shouldn't be wishing for another now. No, you should be happy in the now that you're in he does yeah, mention that right
0: he's that's in the book
1: i, I didn't get it from him i was okay. reading someone else okay and, I thought you were going to, um, talk, yeah and i as i was interacting with it i thought you know it's 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 contentment without god it should be amor providentia right
0: you right. know because totally. what yeah. we have
1: is we don't we don't have a an arbitrary god or gods out there who may or may not be out there for our good. Right, right. Because we're children of God through the, through Jesus Christ, we have a Father who causes all things to work together for good. So I think what, what we find in and, and I was as I was meditating on on, on the resonance between Stoicism and Christianity, mm. you know, they're, they're stumbling onto what our hearts need.
0: Yes, yes.
1: but yeah. but, but they're answering it with the wrong answers. And then scriptures comes and well, kiss oh, on the oh you know what's interesting? This so is what much... this is what you needed to believe the whole time.
0: Yeah, yeah. Sometimes they, what I find though is that they actually answer it with the right answers, but they can't give grounds for those answers. This is what I find interesting in that exactly. they will they will almost create a, a kind of. A uh, way to assure yourself in times of calamity and so forth—that exactly. that that, that uh, you know really is only true for but a Christian. You know exactly how can
1: you assure yourself in times of calamity when you don't have a God who is your Father, who is no. covenanted to you, who is propitiated through the sacrifice of Christ, and who right. has guaranteed you on the basis of His eternal decree, which is immutable, that He's going to glorify you. Yeah, you know, exactly I mean, you just, no it's groundless can, so it, it,
0: it denies <laughs> sin it denies the the problem of sin Certainly, yeah. um that's a that's a big issue but yet you know <laughs> it's just it's just but it's it's a mixture between morbid curiosity and amusement and actual help along the line and real insight sometimes in that they would be like you know here they are jumping like one two skip a few jump over all of that <laughs> get to the consolation and here yeah. i'm finding myself reading it and through christ who is my savior and philosopher i'm actually able to interpret that and actually receive more encouragement exactly. from what what the stoic is saying that i'm sure you know he himself was able to receive so i find that yeah. to be a really yeah. interesting dynamic it's one of the reasons i do want to try and you know if i had another life almost i, w- I would like to try and you know almost expand on, on on what the proverbs are saying or some of that wisdom literature
1: that could be your third phd <laughs>
0: Yeah, just exactly <laughs> uh but you know like maybe someone else wants to do this they you know just take that and look at the way the stoics would expand on those concepts you know um and almost almost allow them to be the expositors um uh, through the lens of common grace and then what he says in the book which i think is just fantastic is that we're it's it's that they're, the stoics are coming so close to Christianity on certain things that they're they're saying you know they'll make some excellent points that we all agree on like it's not a good idea to get caught up in you know you'll put your happiness in what someone else is thinking rather focus on your own sins your own problem your own faults you know um, exercise mercy exercise or, you know we don't have any problem as Paul would say against such things there is no law right but yeah. the, 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 the we are saying just so much more than they're saying and that's that's the key it's like And 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 all of that comes to bear in 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 Jesus. And I love the way that he he um he he sort of he showed the sophistication of the Christian approach, you know, in that yeah, you have almost these extremities developing to handle life and its harshness, you know. So so stoics, for example, will come along and just go, okay, well, listen, the only way you're ever gonna find any level of peace here is through a a detachment, almost like a a Buddhist philosophy. Uh, you know, just sweep it under the rug, just get rid of it, and and uh and christianity is even at that level able to affirm the way that we need to kind of loosen our grip on this life but we rejoice
1: in hope because we have a hope that cannot fail
0: and we're not actually you know like just just pointlessly loosening our grip there there is a a substance to what we understand true life to be and so there's it's just uh, you know it's almost like you went through you went through uh, the epicureans as well and um and showed how even on that side you have an ability to appreciate the 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 the, the pleasure aspects of life and yet with with uh, a, a view of sin that keeps things in check so you know just just working with these big ideas that is uh, that are floated around certainly in ancient greco-roman times uh you see how christianity provides a really robust awesome yeah you know it, it felt it felt like it was a little bit different you know from because i've heard that kind of stuff before from neo-calvinists where they're where they're going well you know christianity holds its own and it's marketplace of ideas and all that sort of stuff and and you know i agree but I, you know what suffers there is the common grace piece and and you know plundering the egyptians and so forth and and i, I felt that he did this he just he sort of found this balance i don't even know how he really did it and that's what got me reading it again sort of figure out how this all works but he seems yep. to have well, found a balance or, or just a way to affirm everything in it's in a good good place yeah I
1: guess what 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 was really helpful, and I'm just sort of dipping in now into the second chapter, the genius of ancient philosophy. He yeah, sort yeah. of laid the groundwork, just helping us to see that, you know, when you and I hear the word philosophy, what do we automatically think of? Think of a guy maybe sitting there in an ivory tower with his, you know, the mm. thinker, you know, mm. pondering the great things of life yeah. in a sort of abstract, detached, cut off way. And what he mm. does is he start, sort of starts off with the definition that, of philosophy that basically we would probably insert the word worldview. Yeah. Um, you know where philosophy is not just the cranial approach to reality, or mm. you know a consideration of theories, or for people who really like to argue and you know d- delve into mathematics right. or some right. difficult stuff. Yeah. And uh, on page eighteen, he sort of says, "Philosophy in the ancient world was the lodestar, the scaffolding, the guide by which humans could experience true happiness." It was the vision for life itself. Philosophy mm. provided the vision for the good and the goodness of life. Mm. So basically, mm. it was a, a whole integrated understanding. And then what he does is he sort of goes on to show how in the modern world, <clears throat> we've compartmentalized everything. Mm. Mm. You know, where we, uh, we we live with massive inconsistencies in our worldview mm. In, mm. in the modern world, don't we? I mean, we believe in things like evolution and science. Which, if we took to its logical conclusion, should have no spirituality in it. Yet, Hmm. will hold evolution. You know, people in in this age would hold evolution in one hand, and then they'd, you know, they they delve into new age spirituality with the other hand and try and bring these things together in just massively inconsistent ways. Totally, because their lives are are are, you know fragmented. They're splintered up into just these inconsistent bubbles that aren't even built on a single foundational world. Yeah, what he's doing is he's sort of taking you to a comprehensive life vision yes you know the way in which we should be thinking about you know answering all the big questions so that we can answer you know all the little questions and then you know be able to live the the good life exactly you know and starting there i guess what it does is it it kills some of the initial bias and prejudice that we have attached to the concept of philosophy
0: yeah yeah i think it's a good point yeah 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 he definitely i mean yeah he shows there's a big disconnect with what we have today uh post what enlightenment and so forth uh, in comparison to what we typically talk about when you have an ancient Greek philosopher in view, and I think one of the big things there is, and I think he's right, you know, as you say, the this pursuit for the good life, the pursuit for a framework and a living and, and dying way. well, yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> you know, and that's what's so winsome about it. Sometimes, uh you know, you look at these guys and you realize they are all schools of discipleship, and you know, even on that point, we asked earlier, you know, is Christianity intentionally modeling itself off like the Greek schools? of well, probably not. I mean, no, but. But at the same time, you know, there, in are the common,
1: same... there are common hungers in the human heart which they're speaking to.
0: Well, and even beyond that, there are common, um, you know, uh, cultural pieces that are being leveraged. So, for example, we talk about A&E culture and covenants and whatnot, but, you know, it's, I, didn't, I just, it didn't feel impossible to me that Jesus is is speaking in a very obviously self-aware discipleship culture, uh, you know, with, with these uh, yeah. uh, philosophers slash gurus, maybe we'd call them today.
1: Well, I mean, he made a few good historical points. So what he, what he highlighted is of course, you've got, you know, you've got the old Testament and then you get someone like Philo coming along to try and make the old Testament relevant to Greek thinking. Mm. Philo through his influence gives rise. And then just through, through various, uh, things uh, impacting the, the dispersion and, you know, Israel t- trying to come to grips with living under the Greek empire and the Roman empire. <clears throat> Greek philosophy shaped rabbinic teaching and the mm. rabbinic schools and rabbis having disciples and the ways yeah. in which rabbis, you know, obviously in keeping with massive influences from the Hebrew Bible. Yeah. But also yeah. being influenced by culture, and they're yeah. shaping the sort of thing. So when Jesus comes along, he's stepping into a culture right that has been shaped
0: by Greek yeah. philosophy, and he's so it's, where, yeah, yeah. yeah, and he's not like he's not obviously kicking against that that, that particular form of the culture where you know, uh, you know, you have your disciples and you you mold them not so much through what you write in it from an academic tower, uh, but through your life together and so forth. Exactly. Uh, you know, all of yeah. that, it's, it, you know, it's Jesus is using that. It's, it's, it's part of that setup that has been ready for his uh, appearing, so to speak. Yeah. So and, he, uh, he points out
1: a couple of, I guess, key ingredients, things like aphorisms, Yeah. you know, with the uh, yeah. sayings, you know, yes. um, you know, take the, yeah, out of your own eye before you take it out your brother's eye you right know? these these uh, the, the first stories, will be last yeah. the last will be first yeah you know yeah and then also the whole notion of uh parables and fables he, mm. he tries to line those up i was a little bit hesitant to do so Well, you know, where I
0: landed with that, it's like, yes, but so much more in the parables, you know, in that, you know, yes, you've got that component there. Sure. But it's just like to reduce a parable to that is is the problem, you know? Um, And so I found myself saying that again and again, I think he said it again and again as well. Yes. yes, And, and, you know, (laughs) it's a, it's a dimension that is neglected, which is why it's quite exciting to look at and recover in some sense. But, you know, as long as we're not reducing it just to that, because that would be, uh, a problem, and to be fair, I don't think he was. You know, I love the the opener as well, where he's just saying, "Look, as a point of fact, you know, you just do have these early artistic representations of Jesus." You know, in the obviously, f- in a philosophical sort of garb, it's the way they perceived him. You know, um, in light of those who would travel and teach their philosophies and world life views. You know.
1: Yep. So yeah, when you when you walked into the early church and they had pictures on the walls, they did have pictures. Mm-hmm. Sorry, reformed people. <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. uh, <clears throat> Jesus would have a short haircut, right. like the the Greek philosopher would have, and he'd have the toga, which would be the right shoulder would be bare, the left shoulder would be, you know, throw over, mm, mm. and he'd be standing there either with a scroll or in, in a teaching pose, perhaps even sitting down. Mm. um You know, just so when the when, when the people heard the Bible or read the Bible, they automatically associated it with philosophy. In their right?
0: Mind. Yeah, and it's it's not even telling us about Jesus at that point, but more about the way people understood his ministry and, and, you know, would have perceived the current, uh, the the day, you know, I get this also from, and just preaching through Hebrews and you see also the way that the author there kind of just, you know, is very, very, um, connected to, to, uh, and I think you see this in Paul as well. The thoughts of the day, you know, there's some allusions there, um, almost undeniable to the way Hercules' twelve, you know, uh, conquests and whatnot, and all these little things that are being brought in uh, very subtly. But I think, in ways that show, hey, you know, he understands what people, as even as a a Hellenistic audience, is 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 uh, the way they're approaching life and approaching Jesus. So yeah, a lot of it was resonating with me at at that front. and it, it certainly gave me, it almost gave me a desire to go over. You mentioned the parables, but really, you know, as you think about all these big topics like uh, the good life, the meaning of life, politics, uh, what else, uh, you know, all these, all these, uh, he goes through these big ideas.
1: Um, yeah. So, I mean, on, on page 28, he uh, sort of maps out the, the four main compass points yeah. of um, <clears throat> what I guess philosophy would touch on. Yes. And uh, I thought these were good, good ethics. points. Yep. So he begins with metaphysics, you know, metaphysics, epistemology. what is the true nature of the universe? Mm-hmm. How does the world work? What, what is there? And, you know, then, if, so I guess we would call that ontology and mm-hmm. theology, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. then he goes into epistemology. How do we know what's there? Yeah. Then he goes into ethics, what is right and how do we live it out? And then the fourth point is politics. Yeah. <laughs> how do yeah. we structure society and institutions in the best and wisest ways? And I think, you know, what is true about philosophy as an integrated worldview, as a vision for life, which the ancient, the ancient people, had a, they were ahead of the, the modern man in the sense that they had a mm. the worldview that answered all these questions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Whereas the modern person just doesn't, mm-hmm. and, you know, just in, in my reading of Tim Keller and Charles Taylor and others, mm-hmm. that's, that's one of the things they've highlighted in yeah. terms of apologetics. You know, we have a barren worldview when we, yeah. when we look at death, yeah. we don't have a way to understand death. We're just animals who die. Yeah. You know, yeah. When we look at the future, you know, it's 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 all naturalistic. Mm. So when it comes to suffering, we have no we have no lens to interpret it with.
0: Yeah.
1: Because we don't, we don't, there's no meaning in our universe. So yeah. these guys had definitely had a leg up, but you know, and, and so it's 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 pretty comprehensive. Mm. But as I was just looking at the things that they touched on, I think there's one sort of missing fact, and this is what the Bible would. You know the gaps that it would fill. So metaphysics, you know, what is there to be known? There's the creator-creature distinction. Yep. There's God, and then He makes everything else. So we would agree with that. Yeah. Epistemology: How do we know it? You know, God reveals Himself, and there's general revelation, there's special revelation, there's the incarnation. Yep. Mm-hmm. But then at some point, the Bible would would include the fall. It would include yep. sin. Yeah, it would include, you know, there's no soteriology yeah right <laughs> so that's the missing ingredient yeah in in, in in what philosophy can can come to grips with
0: mm. yeah um, i suppose i suppose that might fit into ethics in some sense um, in some sense you know because
1: you know now that we know that we're broken and yeah. we know what is right and we don't want to do the right though we understand the right and sometimes yeah. we want the right but we have no don't have the power to do the rights so christ has redeem us and then mm. fill us with the spirit and then guide us with
0: his word yeah yeah. one of the points that he but makes but that's
1: that's a that's a much more complex understanding of ethics isn't
0: it yes um yeah exactly and uh, you know there's something to say on the politics there as well because he brings that as as one of these big um yeah these uh, points to look at these touchstones but you know one of the things he, he does say uh, just dealing with the ethics and the debates that go on uh, in in contemporary philosophical ethical sort of discussions um you know he he, which i found really helpful is he deals with the 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 issue of altruism and uh how that stems really from a much later basis and and how the philosophers of ancient greece are are very much in step with with christianity in uh in this idea of virtue and uh you know doing something um you know it's not that if you if you in order for something to be virtuous or in order to be something to be truly good, you must receive no benefit from it, or something like that. You know that that's really moving very much out of step with this greater sophistication of the, of the biblical worldview. So uh, I found that he, you know, he obviously knows a good bit about that and has done his reading. And to distill it down at this level, you know, in this context and discussion was was extremely helpful. It, it was probably one of the highlights for me. That plus the Stoicism comparison, I think, would be big. The politics thing is like you know i got i was wincing when i came there because i was like oh boy here we go you know and so the politics
1: thing comes in sort of the third chapter or Mm -hmm. you know the the bible as philosophy and he begins with the old testament
0: yeah yeah so So we're we're not making
1: he starts off well you know looking at moses as a philosopher it's all good yeah i appreciate that yeah moses ticks the box of you know metaphysics yes tips he ticks the box of uh, epistemology revelation he ticks the box of ethics yes then when he starts to get into politics and you know basically you take the ten commandments and that's some old politics
0: right uh, because now w- the thing that pushing. was missing which is you know here's why you here's why you listen to two-age sojourner folks you know this is <laughs> this is it um you know it's missing this uh covenantal multiformity and continuity and the change and the and the progression and all the covenant theology that we love to talk about and the republication element and so forth so i think i think but but with that in place you know you could I found that I could hear what he was saying, uh, without too much problem. In fact, I was I was pleasantly surprised. Like I do agree with him that the Bible is a political book, and that Jesus yeah. being a you know a, a king of a kingdom. I mean, you can't read Christianity as not political. It is political. It's just a it's a matter of knowing how that politics fits into this present age. You know, um, no one's denying. The politics of the bible in that sense um and i suppose that's where you know uh, uh, much debate is to be had you know is this um you know as we know the theonomist would take a lot of what he was saying there and applied through a, a theonomist rubric i don't think it would go so well yeah. but but he's prob- not he's
1: not promoting theonomy he's probably promoting more of a transformational, transformational thing yeah, yeah. yeah, not yeah exactly even the- not even theocracy but transformational yeah
0: Right, but I mean, using the same hermeneutic, ultimately, you know, hey, uh, this is basically the wisdom that we need to recover for a full life view, you yeah. know. And if you're here's, really a, here's a quote, guys here's really a quote from
1: page forty nine.
0: So he's talking
1: about the the Palatea, <clears throat> and he says this divinely revealed political philosophy was not just for the sake of the Hebrew people, but was also a model for all the nations. Hmm. It is a picture of how the true God has structured the cosmos and the means by which humans may experience flourishing or shalom.
0: Now, you know, yeah, yeah. I I agree.
1: If you isolate that statement and you think, okay, so if we want to experience shalom, what we need to do is we need a tribal patriarchy where we have elders, you know, these these kangaroo courts in every city. We have a centralized religious temple. Which has Levites scattered throughout the land. You know, we go back to not slavery, but you know, we have this uh, indentured servitude as as a form of debt relief. Hmm. Uh, yeah, it's, you know, but it's not, at the uh, same he, time, he's not saying that. But that's what that statement. No, you mean. could
0: exactly. I agree. Yeah, <laughs> they could take that and run with it in, in really bad ways. But you know, take, you could also take that through a Kleinian rubric quite easily because you know the eschatological intrusion aspect. Uh, the kingdom is you know, uh, revealed in Israel at its height of typology through the wisdom of Solomon. Way. You know, y- y- you have when you, you're meant to look at Solomon, who's now the son of David, who yeah. has come to the throne and, and Israel is in a place of Sabbath rest and it's prospering, you know, in a way that you can't even fathom, you know, you, you have the nations looking upon them and, and just gasping. And the point there is to show it. this is what happens when Jesus, this is the good life. This is Amen. the shalom, you know, that you're meant to be seeing in the Old Testament. So, you know, at that level, as long as applied through uh, our wonderful eschatological so, I mean, intrusion. T- t-
1: uh, typology would help us to see the redemptive elements, not merely yes. the moral elements.
0: Right. Yes. Because
1: what, what this does is it makes everything moral right instead of everything redemptive you
0: know yeah. yeah that's true but even the moral side you know again i think i found like like it was it was a real this is probably one of the reasons again that i, I wanted to read it twice because if i found it so like challenging and exhilarating like is is this actually right is this wrong you know is yeah. this you know can, can we can we agree with that do we not agree with that um and i found most of it like you know yeah it was almost like anything it's just ask the wrong questions, get the wrong answers kind of thing, I suppose is where I came back to. He's not dealing with the issue from a covenantal perspective. No, so he's speaking it,
1: pretty generally. So, I mean, uh, what I appreciated was, you know, he, under politics, he would say things like the institution of things like marriage, yeah, the institution of the family, the institution yes. of community. Yes. You know, it's the people of God being, being a love community together and doing the will of God together. You know, that's, uh, and I, and I think that's general enough not to commit to any sort of political model. Right, and so, so from that point of view, it's definitely helpful. So he's just helping us to see how the Bible ticks certain boxes that philosophy is concerned about. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> and, and informs them and, in a and good way. It
0: really does. I mean, you think of Plato's Republic. You think of uh, you know yeah. uh, what is Aristotle's one again, the political or something I can't remember. Uh, but but basically, you know, you, I mean, so just as you go through the ins and outs Nicom- of Nicomachean
1: Ethics or something.
0: No, there was another one. um I can't remember it now. It's on politics, you know. Um, but anyway. So he he um, you know yeah if you've ever done a course on and you see how weird it gets sometimes yeah. uh, Aristotle a little bit lesser than Plato but Plato advocates some pretty weird things but but as he's kind of I mean you can see how politics factors into this philosophical pursuit and and you know there even there you know even in terms of a New Testament lens uh, you know even in terms of Jesus' teaching there is the talk about a city, you know, it is concerned with the, the Palatia. It is concerned about these things, but it's just breaking it open in terms of eschatological new creation and, yeah. you know, and, and all of these things that philosophers wouldn't even dream of of saying and going, but, you know, we have the final city at the end, you know, this is a concern of Jesus. So even that it brings a nice, it, it sets a backdrop uh, to, to showcase the genius of Christianity and, and its power, you know, in, in, uh, yeah, I don't want to say the marketplace of ideas, but kind of, you know, marketplace <laughs> so of ancient he, ideas.
1: Let me read his summary with regards to the Old Testament. So uh, he says this, I'm on uh, page 51. He says, the Hebrew scriptures provided divinely revealed metaphysics. So he's ticking his boxes now. Metaphysic, epistemology, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. virtue ethic, and political philosophy based on the ultimate good, God himself. Mm -hmm. this revelation is for the good of humanity to shape and train humanity to see and be in the world in the particular ways that alone promise promise, true flourishing and happiness because they're rooted in god's nature and then he quotes psalm one happy is the man yeah um so i don't know what i wanted to ask you this question how is this different from i guess you know if, if we step into the world of, of preaching and homiletics yep. and some of the bad molds that we would critique, you know, we would, you know, we would say, you know, so we look at expository preaching and the application has to come from the text itself, you know, and we, we often criticize preaching that's too anecdotal or preaching that's too, you know, five steps for parenting four 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 tips for a healthy marriage. Mm. Now, how is, how is this approach to philosophy not
0: sort of playing into the hands of that approach? Right totally um and i think i'm actually i was um frantically searching yeah while you were talking because um uh he i, I right right at the end of the book here somewhere i'm just paging through yeah so it. i haven't
1: read there so i haven't seen his right. answers yeah um, these are the questions i'm carrying with me as i'm going through yeah
0: yeah and and he does uh, he does deal with it he um in fact almost exactly as you've stated it there um let me just have a quick squeeze here um you go for it yeah, I mean, look, it's not popping out of me, but from memory, um, you know, he says, "Well, you know, who almost relates to the prosperity gospel? Let's just go all the way." You know, uh, what's the difference here between prosperity gospel? And then he he brings out a kind of uh, yet another nuance which I think is important in that he's not, he's not advocating this in, a, in opposition to suffering. He's not advocating this in opposition. So he goes through all the little things and shows how yep. they can work together. And it's not one over the other. So it's not
1: a triumphalistic
0: ethic. It's not a triumphalistic ethic. It's not a uh, prosperity uh, alone ethic. I think what he wants to do, and this is the, the point that resonated with me anyway, I felt, I felt I needed to do more thinking on this anyway, because he said, like, he'll say, you know, even though that's all in place, when I say to you life, jesus has come to bring you life do you think this life at all or do you think only heaven you know and and i think i do i think i think only heaven (laughs) you know so i think that is wrong i think i do need to there is some level of continuity but it's it's not to neglect of suffering it's not that we're getting like we're we're not getting high on suffering either we don't really want suffering But it's just that there is something about what Jesus does now that brings life year and now. And this is the two age thing that that, uh, we must reconcile with and something that he's trying to connect with uh, by way of the philosophical good life pursuit there. Um,
1: So I guess it would be uh, what he's trying to, I guess, balance out would be because, you know, you got the imperative and you got the indicative and it can be a neo-Calvinistic tendency to make the Bible, the whole Bible imperative only Mm. but it's all what jesus has done and now you can get your salvation and go to heaven when you die or the new creation if it comes again yes but uh and oh you know we're we're too scared to even talk about the wisdom having any practical application for this life unless we sound like yes you know the the mega church model which we're trying to avoid
0: right right
1: um but what we're saying is well look there's actually
0: there is a real deal here. There's wisdom. Yep. There's yep. wisdom
1: literature, you know, yep. to live the good life now. And is I, I don't practical know. if
0: you've... Common sense, there's
1: yeah, there's good I, stuff in it.
0: Yeah, and having the dovestails, I mean, have you preached the book of Proverbs recently?
1: i haven't but i do love the
0: book of proverbs i, I, mean, I do i do i love it for the practical sermon. wisdom stuff
1: right exactly i do the odd topical sermon from proverbs whenever right. i want to break
0: okay know? yeah yeah i mean that's great i think it's a great approach and i think more people should do it I, I i've i've sort of um i'm definitely moving in that direction too where you know yeah it's neglecting a certain genre in scripture
1: for me this proverbs is the psychology manual of the bible
0: i know yeah well I mean, this is it, it is
1: it is so penetrating
0: it's yeah. I so
1: penetrating. Even just the problem, the one that, the one that immediately just jumped to my, to my mind now is to the hungry, every bitter thing is sweet. Yes. And the picture I have in my mind is a woman who's in an abusive relationship. Yeah. Yeah. You know, she's hungry for love. She's hungry for intimacy. She's hungry for connections. She's hungry for approval. Mm. To her, every bitter thing is sweet. Mm. even though her husband mistreats her, she Mm. takes it as you know whatever she can get yeah so i mean even just stuff like that yeah
0: well and interesting you mentioned that because you know in terms of ancient philosophy i mean that really has got a very strong connection to what we talk about today as psychology rather than philosophy you know we, we are thinking there about you know trying to find a framework for how to handle life and its problems and um and you know you have, uh, I mean, positive psychology is basically the Stoics repeated, right? I mean, all these elements in cognitive behavioral theory. And, yes. Um, cognitive and, behavioral. And, theory. You know, I mean, that's <laughs> you read through one of these uh, CVT manuals, it's like literally reading through Marcus Aurelius. You know, there's just no <laughs> difference. And um, and maybe some less less quips about the gods. You know, that's pretty much it. The rest is exactly the same. So it's just very interesting that the the philosophy component would come through in that form of psychology and that form of psychology is what we're registering with some elements of of scripture. It all just feels like these things that have to be connected a little bit more uh, clearly. And, but yeah, I think that's a great question. And I think it does like, I would not be, I think, I think part of what this book was doing to me is you know, it's like we've, we've been through that homiletics debate so many times by way of legalism and, yeah. uh, you know, redemptive historical. This was just coming at it from a really fresh angle that didn't really touch, it didn't touch the matter of legalism at all. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just avoiding important.
1: avoiding those categories and bringing a fresh voice. Yeah.
0: yeah. And um, I think that's always good. It's always just helps to, to, to you know, round things up a little bit. Um, he, he says uh, in terms of the, um, we were saying a little bit earlier around the suffering piece um, the Old Testament is not an idealized mythology of easy happiness. It's not a philosophy that proclaims all suffering to be inconsequential or unreal. So like you think about some of those elements of um, Stoicism and Buddhism even. Uh, neither yep. is it a hopeless story of sin and destruction or postmodern literary anti-heroes. No the story of Israel from creation through the prophets casts a vision of the possibility of deep flourishing, even in the midst of inevitable loss and suffering. So that's, I mean, obviously that's we're thinking new creation there, but that's true now, even now. There's a redemptive yeah. thing going on, and it doesn't touch legalism. You know, it's yeah. not a, a, you don't have to worry about that. So I, I found that sort of thing very helpful.
1: Yeah, I mean, the Bible does have a unique perspective on on suffering, doesn't it? Because think about Habakkuk. You know, I will yet praise him. You know, even though the you know the fig tree does not bear fruit and yeah. you know, it's all bad now. That we have a covenant, we have a God who's in covenant with us, who will prove faithful. Exactly. And our yeah. confidence is on the basis of him covenanting to us, especially in light of Christ. Right. We have a much greater confidence in the new covenant. Yeah. And uh, we have a hope that cannot be shaken. And so we yeah. do suffer, but it's part of his purpose. It comes from a father. And so it's not just a, it's not just a forced emoting. It's not mm, just a mm, put on, mm. put a smile on your dial and get on with it, you know, right, you turn right. that Brown upside
0: down (laughs) exactly (laughs) exactly exactly. um you know and and the other thing i think it's just a big piece you know if, if you're thinking about this book and maybe this concept of you know how jesus would portray himself or be in fact a great philosopher the great philosopher um you know often often whether it be stoics or otherwise you know in ancient greek philosophy you hear them talking about the way uh nature works you know the conformity of nature the the, you know they just they just observe things right they're just there they are looking and writing and observing and they're going listen this is the way it works whether you like it or not you know and it makes sense then to conform because virtue conforms to the 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 way things go to bring flourishing you know so you, you if you want, you know they often use the the illustration of someone who is going to get dragged along by a cart you know or walk along with the cart you know w- with a rope connecting them you know this is the way the world works and uh it's true that, you know as as i read the book of proverbs i mean this is i mean uh, the opening few chapters especially this is how god made the world you know this is Thank how it you. works and wisdom will well, it works in connection with the way god made this world so and- the way i
1: put it is is christianity and something like stoicism or the ancient philosophies yeah you know they they, they have a common worldview in the sense that you know they have common cause against postmodernism, mm. which denies mm. totally. that there is a truth that yes. there is a common reality that there is natural law mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're, they're stealing they're, they're working on borrowed capital that that arises from conscience and their engagement with nature without Mm. recognizing the creator. Mm. And we're just bringing the creator.
0: Mm. (laughs) Well, you know, and it's, I mean, to use Paul's language, you know, in, in many times they do recognize the unknown God, you know, there, there is something, it, it is amazing to, to be honest. They talk about him as the author, you know, uh, the author, well, they recognize
1: who... judgment. I mean, there's, they, they, know what sin is. They know that there must be a judgment. There will be a reckoning. There's,
0: they have a conscience, right? So not even yeah. on those points, are they with postmodernism or atheism or whatever they're, they're uh, you know, they're, they're, yeah, they, they're a lot closer to, uh, you know, that Christian, um, Uh, trajectory of thought
1: and we're not saying we're not denying total depravity let's clarify that no
0: (laughs) no we're not what Um, we're saying
1: is that through general revelation and common grace they stumble onto a lot of truth which they then in turn hold irrationally that they suppress yeah that they hold in contradiction with all sorts of other things
0: right right due to not being um, regenerate yeah yeah and in common grace have been allowed to just transcend more than others you know (laughs) they've been um, you know they've just you know as I think it was Kelvin who was saying I mean who would deny that these 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 insights, uh, they are gifts of God, you know, they, they can't, they can't be denied. I mean, the, the the beauty captured by some of these artists, the, 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 um, the literary form by some of these authors, the, the thoughts and, and, um, you know, concepts by some of these philosophers, uh, yeah, they are blind as bats ultimately, but are given these graces, um, in a in a common sense. And uh, it's not, it's not like common grace means that everyone is exactly the same on that either. So, you know, wherever there is, um, I think it was Justin Martyr who said, listen, you know, because because of Christ, we can now take what's ours, which is all truth, all beauty, all goodness. And wherever we find it, it's ours. It belongs to us, you know, because it belongs to our master and it comes from him. So we take it. And I think that is, um, that is an important part of this. Sounds so is Jesus a philosopher?
1: Um, <clears throat> what do you mean by philosophy? <laughs> <laughs> and I think the way that he sets it up, the answer is definitely yes. Yes. If he's a man who presents to you the good life that is directed towards the good of a person who can live and die well in light of the truth, in light of reality, that touches on, you know, metaphysics, epistemology, ethics, and politics, then definitely. Right. And, you know,
0: yes but not only and that, more. so much more. yes exactly there we go and
1: because i mean the, the missing ingredient to philosophy is you know the denial of you know they don't have the history that the bible includes which is in, you know our creator who we are in light of being made in the image of god in our relationship to god um and then of course the fall and redemption right without right. those ingredients everything gets a wrong slant but then they still there's just so many they come so close, yeah, yeah, in, in a lot of areas.
0: Well, you know, it's. I think I was thinking about it. You know, it's almost like we're happy to talk about Jesus as a prophet. Sometimes, you know, uh, we're happy to talk about him as a priest and as a king. But if you think about, it, you know, you could take any one of those things. You could take Jesus as a king, and if you were just going to compare him to kings and leave him as a king you know you've lost justification you've lost mediation you've lost uh, intercession you've lost all of these things that Jesus is for us which are absolutely vital and so in the same way you know, and, and you could apply that to any one of those things, you know, you can't lose his kingship, even if you hold on to his priestly ministry, and, and the, the philosophical element here is really his teaching uh, at, at some level, and, yeah. and so, you know, yes, absolutely, we want that, And uh, but never to the neglect of those other things, so Jesus yeah. is that plus so much more. Um, so I
1: guess what we got to say is we got to celebrate what is true in philosophy, and acknowledge what God has done through common grace but yes. recognize the limitations of philosophy because they do need special revelation and all that comes yes. with the gospel as well. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Good. And if that's scares mud, then uh, go read the yeah. book, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah. buy his it's book. helpful. It's helpful.
1: And, and um, what, what it'll do is it'll surprise you into thinking about, you know, if you've been, if you've been well-trained in certain ways of reform thinking that are suspicious of all things for the Suffolk, it yeah. will help you to, yeah, to be, to be more sympathetic to what God is doing through common grace,
0: most definitely couldn't agree yeah. more. Good. Well, let's leave it at that for episode 400.
1: <laughs> Whoa, <laughs> <laughs> I hope you're blowing your
0: trumpet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that uh, was my that was my, voo-vo, my mini mini What <laughs> are those little um. <laughs> Um, so we're actually we're actually hush-hush about it because we don't actually want to have our 400 party uh, andre's not here. is in turkey by the way he's he's like he's like uh moving around and uh, going on little biblical tours and doing all sorts shaving his
1: back <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> we'll not talk about that now. but uh um, but uh when he gets back we'll try and try and do something special
1: you know yeah
0: sounds good. that'd be good but 400 we're getting up there not bad amazing. um so Thanks, Nick. Appreciate it, bro.
1: Amen.